Blog Talk Radio. Change will not come if we wait for some other person or if we wait for some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. cannot continue to rely only on our military in order to achieve the national security objectives that we've set. We've got to have a civilian national security force that's just as powerful, just as strong, just as well-funded. Uh, 
Hey, uh, it, it, it would cost us about the same as it would cost <laughs> for. Uh, hold on, I can't hear myself. I can't hear myself. This is the Dr. C. Robert Jones Conservative Report, weekdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on the WOW Radio Network. Let's get together this weekend. This is Tesla, your host of the Internet Radio Talk Show, Socialism is Not an Option. Every weekend we bring you three fantastic, exciting shows that are sure to make you laugh, cry, get angry, and even think. Start your weekend on Friday night with the Roundtable Roundup Edition. This show features other radio hosts and listeners who call in. And it's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get when the show opens. Our Saturday program is the American Exceptionalism Edition that focuses on the Constitution and our founding fathers in light of today's current events, emphasizing America's greatness. The American Exceptionalism Edition is for all patriots. And our Hot Topic program sizzles every Sunday as we analyze the important national and international issues with intelligent political analysis without the bells and whistles. If you want the truth without the distractions, Sunday is where you want to be. Join us every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday on the Internet Radio Talk Show, Socialism is Not an Option. That's www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Kessler. See you this weekend. Socialism is not an option. WWWDB 24-7 Internet Talk Radio. When we do Internet Talk Radio, we receive support from a great many areas. We have listener support, of course, and some who help with the promoting. One group that often goes unrecognized are the wives of Internet Talk Radio hosts. They are the ones who tolerate our dalliances and the time we invest in our hobbies. Well, this is one way we can properly recognize those who are closest to us by broadcasting their sincere sentiments regarding our passions. Are you going to stay up all night? You have family, you know. You're always at that computer. It's getting closer. It's halftime at the primaries. Super Tuesday is the day that could potentially decide the GOP nomination. The four remaining candidates, 11 states, across four time zones, from the people who brought you the ever-popular Iowa Caucus All-Night Special. We're back, bringing you another fantastic night of results coverage. The Super Tuesday All-Night Special. March 3rd, starting at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Seven hours of exciting, uninterrupted coverage. Follow the links from one show to the next. 
What are the shows? Well, I'm glad you asked. Teaming up again is Tesla with Doc Jones. Dave Gray at G-Ski Rocks. And Jermaine, a.k.a. GGT183. Special commentator and contributor throughout the night is Annie Ubella of Southern Sense. At 7 p.m., Kessler will host Socialism is Not an Option on a special Tuesday night episode. And comment and discuss exit polling and actual results. Join me, David Graham, on my show, Stay Mad Radio, where we'll continue the coverage joined by Chiski Rocks and other callers and guests. is not over yet. GGT 183 comes on at 11 p.m. and launches a special three-hour version of Conservative Primetime. As you know, this show always mixes it up. And this show is the cleanup hitter. And we'll conclude your evening crackling and pop-pop-popping from the excitement of the day. So you get results coverage from 7 p.m. until 2 a.m. With the way some of these primary races have gone so far, it promises to be an action-packed all-night special. So please join us for fun interaction and informative commentary. Call in to vent, rant, or promote your guy. Just make sure you tell us why. <laughs> See you on Super Tuesday. All right. Good evening, folks. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Got off to a little bit of a late start tonight due to some blog talk or realm Skype technical difficulties, but those difficulties have been corrected. Today's date is February 21st, 2012 A.D. Beautiful old town Alexandria is where I am. United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. Let's get this party started. Right here, right now. King. King, not Dr. King. King, King Obama. King Obama's outrages against the English Constitution would have led to his ouster. I am a student of history, as some of you know. And I suggest that if President Obama were an English king, perhaps in medieval Europe, he would have been ousted from power before now. Through the American Constitution, well, the Constitution provides a for a bloodless remedy for removing the overreaching executive from office in the form of impeachment. The fact that it takes a majority in the House and a two-thirds majority in the Senate shows that the provision is fairly toothless if the sovereign is both despotic and popular. 
a few valuable extended passages in uh, Macaulay's uh, History of England show startling parallels of the design of depredations. That's the word I'm looking for. Of the current administration with those of certain odiously remembered kings in England. And while those who believe our present constitution is a bulwark against the medieval backwardness that plagued Europe for centuries, centuries, still the ignorance of the masses can remove any valuable that the constitution, our document, has to preserve a free people. And here the constitutional provisions state that are designed to check the overreachingness of a king or thus. But his power, though ample, was limited by three great constitutional principles, so ancient that none can say when they began to exit, so potent that their natural development continued through many generations, has produced the order of things under which he now lives. Here we have a situation where our president overreaches. Our president suggests that he would like to not abide by the Constitution, that he would like to go over Congress's head, but that pesky Constitution keeps getting in the way. He has suggested numerous times during his tenure as president that the Constitution and the Congress prevents him from getting things done for the American people. And that if it weren't for the Constitution, he'd be getting things done for the American people. Time Magazine, the New York Times, have suggested that the Constitution is no longer valid. That is an old document created by old white men some two, nearly 300 years ago. And that the collective here in the United States, we need a new document, a new Constitution. Even a Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg suggested that if a country is about to start new and fresh, that they not look to the American Constitution, but to South Africa's Constitution. And what does South Africa's Constitution suggest? It suggests that the state has to do this, 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 and that for you. That the Constitution in South Africa provides for you gives you things. It guarantees not only rights, but objects. Things. 
we're seeing the end of America as we know it unless we stop it. When publications like Time put it out there, is the Constitution still relevant? When the New York Times writes openly that our Constitution should be rendered null and void, that it is an old document and we need something new, we need something sexy, were the exact words. And the president himself comes out and says, the Constitution is preventing him from getting things done. Even though the Constitution is what put him in power. Listen to my man Glenn Beck. He put it down. Then there's the movement to undermine and overthrow the Constitution of the United States. If anyone can name a more influential and successful government doc document in history, I'd sure like to hear the case. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I don't have to hear it. I'm already getting it from the New York Times and Supreme Court Justice Darth Bader Ginsburg. She was in Egypt. And what, United States Supreme Court Justice, he doesn't hang out in Egypt in the middle of a revolution. Anywho, she was asked whose constitution Egypt should model their constitution after. Hint, United States, say the United States. No, no, that's not her answer. Here's her answer. I would not look to the U.S. Constitution if I were drafting a constitution in the year 2012. I might look at the Constitution of South Africa. That was a, a deliberate attempt to have a fundamental instrument of government that embraced basic human rights, mm. had an independent judiciary. It's, it, it really is, I think, a, a great piece of work that was done. It is a great piece of something, I'll tell you that right now. We read it. She suggested the South African Constitution, drafted in 1993, promises a quest for social justice and an open society. Probably just a coincidence there. Probably also coincidence that it has uh, abortion written right into it. Isn't that great? She also mentioned the Canadian Constitution, which has absolutely no restrictions on abortions. And, of course, the EU rights, which... Hey, they love abortions, too. The New York Times wrote a piece on the Constitution. I like to call it a hit piece on the Constitution, claiming that its influence on the globe is really waning because it's terse and it's old. And it guarantees relatively few rights. No, no, huh? No, it actually guarantees all rights, except to the government. It restricts the government. You, you got all the rights God can give you. Them, not so much. Let me ask you, why would anyone want to buy a house where the owner says, I don't really like it, it's kind of rickety, and I don't even know how most of it works. I don't want to buy that one. The New York Times, it doesn't guarantee a lot of rights. No, all rights given by God are guaranteed. They don't even know. They're like, yeah, I don't know. It's, 
I don't know, is a 56 Corvette, a 61? I don't even know. It's dusty. I don't even know how to start the thing. I, I've been trying to feed it hay, and it, I don't know. That's how we're treating our Constitution. It's not a model for anyone. It's an old, dusty document. You know why? Because nobody's driven the sports car lately. Who's fighting for our Constitution? Are the politicians? No. <laughs> no. I know. Places of higher learning. Yes, the professors. Oh, no, no, ha, uh -uh. no, no, they're not either. I, I got it. The State Department. No, ha, uh -uh. hmm. I can't really think of anybody that's fighting for the Constitution. Tea Party. That's right, the Tea Party. Except they don't have a global stage. So they can't hold up the Constitution, say it's great, and even if they could get on TV and hold it up for the whole globe to see, which they will soon, they can't really show that it has any use because we haven't, we haven't let it shine in at least the last 20 years, and I contend in the last 100 years. But the New York Times thinks we should get a new one, newer and even sexier. Ooh, really? When I think of the Constitution, I do try to think how sexy we can make it. Maybe we could wrap it in a thong from Brazil. That'd be sexy. It'd be nice if we could laugh this off as some crazy media dolt, but no. No. It's the New York Times echoing a Supreme Court justice who's there to protect and defend the Constitution, and she's trashing the Constitution. And remember, these sentiments all echo President Obama's new view. That the Constitution is great and everything, but it's deeply flawed. Listen. Generally, the Constitution is a charter of negative liberties. Says what the states can't do to you. Yes. Says what the federal government can't do to you, but mm -hmm. it doesn't say what the federal government or the state government must do on your behalf. I think it is an imperfect document, and I think it is a document that reflects uh, some deep flaws uh, in uh, American culture. Aren't you glad he's the president of the United States? We don't even know what the United States even is anymore. We don't know where we are as a nation because we're being pulled apart and we're being pulled in two very different directions. And one direction will lead us to more freedom, the other to increasing restrictions on personal liberty. And we've seen how that plays throughout history. And this time it could play out much, much worse and much faster. Where is our Lincoln? Where is our Winston Churchill? Where is our George Washington? Where are they? We don't have that kind of leader. And I don't mean in the world or in the White House. I mean, where are they in everybody's house? In every American house, where are they? If we don't train them, if we don't become them ourselves, we're going to head right smack to the gates of hell and into catastrophe. So where are they? Where are they? Where? Where are they? Isn't that a good question? Where are they? Santorum? Mitt Romney? Newt Gingrich? As was indicated in earlier blog talk radio shows, Southern Census show earlier today, the roundtable. Newt has no charisma. Santorum is boring. 
Romney, wannabe Reagan, but doesn't have the pedigree. Who is going to step up and save us from ourselves? Who? We witnessed President Obama and his administration issue edicts, work against or ignore the U.S. Constitution and Congress, and be inconsistent when it suits him. The question now becomes, what will Obama do next? In August 2011, Health and Human Services Secretary Kathleen Sebelius issued a proposed regulation that would force all health care plans to cover sterilizations and contraceptives, including those that cause abortions. On June 20, 2012, Sebelius announced that the final regulation would take effect for individuals and business owners on August 1, 2012. And for the Catholic hospitals, universities, and charities on August 1, 2013. Also, because Obamacare mandates that all Americans, all Americans must purchase health insurance, the HHS regulation will require Catholics to act against the teachings of their faith. Obama is attacking the First Amendment right to the free exercise of religion, and who didn't think that that was going to happen? To try to erase the outcry, the HHS announcement caused Obama on Friday, February 10, 2012. He proposed a solution. No, no, an accommodation. So since Obama and his administration think they can ignore the U.S. Constitution, particularly the First Amendment, and mandate that Catholics go against their faith, the question now is, what's next? What's next? Let's turn our attention to the Second Amendment for a moment, if you will. Obama's most lasting impact on gun control is through the appointment of Sonia Sotomayor and Eleanor Kagan, both gun control advocates, to the Supreme Court, which, while paying lip service to the Second Amendment, he told Sarah Brady, and I quote, I just want you to know that we're all working on gun control. We have to go through a few processes, but under the radar. End quote. What good would the Second Amendment be if, no, when all guns have been controlled, controlled out of existence? As for the rest of the Bill of Rights, Amendments 3, through 10, the National Defense Authorization Act, well, NDAA took care of that. The NDAA is an act that grants the U.S. military the legal right, the legal right, folks, to conduct secret kidnappings of U.S. citizens, followed by indefinite detention, interrogation, torture, and even murder. 
And guess who signed that into law? The Antichrist himself, Barack Hussein Obama. Yeah, I said it. The Antichrist. Obviously, he is an Antichrist, if not the Antichrist. With his we can't wait, quote, we can't wait, end quote, campaign, we can't wait. Where have we heard this before, folks? Where have we heard this before? Turn on the History Channel any Saturday or Sunday afternoon, and you will hear, we can't wait for this. We can't wait. For government officials to act, we can't wait for the Congress. We can't wait for the Senate. We can't wait. Who issued similar words like this in order to, quote, get things done, end quote? His name was Adolf Hitler. His name was Benito Mussolini. We can't wait. His name is Hugo Chavez. While he's still breathing. His name is Fidel Castro. We can't wait. The normal processes of uh, that pesky old constitution. It's convoluted. It's an old document. Come on. It was written 200 some odd years ago. It's not relevant now. Oh yeah. Some parts are are still good. We can keep some parts of the Constitution, but the rest, well, it really isn't relevant for today. It's a document of negative liberties. It's not, it's not new. It's not vibrant. It's not sexy. But let me ask you this. Would you want that 1967 Ford GTO or would you want one of the newer plastic cars if you had the chance? I'm talking 350 horses versus 220. Now, there's some metal still on the newer cars, aren't there? I think you get my point. Sometimes old is still sexy. And I'm not just talking about me. We can't wait. Obama has declared that he will ignore the U.S. Constitution and Congress when they do not let him have his way. When he is not able to bend the Congress to his will. When he is not able to force the U.S. Congress to do what he wants in order to get things done. In December 2011, Obama appointed Richard Carter to direct the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Also, in December 2011, he appointed three members of the National Labor Relations Board. They're all, quote, recess appointments, end quote. The only problem was that Congress had not recessed. This attempt to circumvent the legislative branch is a violation of Obama's oath of office to uphold and defend the Constitution, and not a single Republican seriously called him on it. To date, there has been no court challenge. None, mind you. 
Obama, well, he steps a, a toe, a little toe over the line. Constitution on one side, monarchy, autocratic rule on the other. He puts his toe over on the autocratic side. There's some murmuring, a little muttering here and there. Nobody really says anything. It's all good. Oh, he goes a step further. Disregards the Constitution again, and boom. No, there's only just a little rumbling going on. The only people who reported Fox News, fair and balanced. That's it. Nobody says a word. Doesn't it kind of remind you, and I, I hate to make this analogy, but I must... Of when the Jews thought it was all going to be good. That Hitler really wasn't going to send anybody to any labor camps or gas chambers. So the Jews just kind of hung out. Took their sweet time packing. Getting their stuff ready. You know, oh, it's all good. Hitler's not really, he's not all that bad. He's not going to go too far. When will we learn? When will we learn? Dude is stepping not one foot. He's got his whole damn foot over the line. And he's going all the way. Flyover territory in the chat room writes exactly right. If he can't get it one way, he'll get it the other way. And he'll say... He'll say what they've all said. He'll say what every despot, what every ruler, what every tyrant has said since time and memoriam. We can't wait. We need to get things done for the American people. We need to get things done for the German people. We need to get things done for the Iraqi people, Saddam Hussein said. We can't wait. On December 17, 2011, the Senate agreed to, as it can be outlined in Article 1, Section 5 of the U.S. Constitution and order instituting pro forma sessions. President Obama now claims that the Senate was actually recessed. But on December 23, 2011, President Obama signed a two-month extension of the payroll tax cut. If the Senate was actually in recess, as Obama claimed that day, it couldn't have passed the bill. And Obama couldn't have signed it into law. Every inconsistent, ever, ever inconsistent and looking for situations to get his own way, Obama did not respect the Senate's own view as to whether – it was in session or not. Harry Reid should have been outraged by the president's actions. Because not only does it negate the power of, well, of the Senate as a whole, but certainly Harry Reid's power. What would the, what would the Obama administration need with uh, any of the Senate members if he could just do whatever he wanted? 
Suppose Obama decides to suspend elections because he's, he finds that he's losing in the polls. For example, let's just find – let's just do a hypothetical. He's losing in the polls. Re-election is not certain. He decides that he still needs to get things done for the American people, so he suspends elections because he needs to get things done, and we can't wait. Hell, his new election slogan should be, we can't wait. It's a whole lot more realistic than hope and change or yes, we can. So let's just go ahead right now and change that slogan from yes, we can to we can't wait. In a radio interview on November 6, 2011, Obama said that if Congress is not willing to pass legislation he wants, he will do it himself in order to win another term. How, how You couldn't be clearer than that. You could not be more clear. Once again, in a radio interview, radio interview on November 6, 2011, Obama said that if Congress is not willing to pass legislation he wants, he will do it himself in order to win another term. Those were his exact words. So, folks, we now have a clear picture of Obama's behavior. With that picture in mind, we can now ask the question, what will he do next? Obama ignores the Constitution and Congress when it suits his purposes. He issues edicts without regard to the U.S. Constitution. He signs in the law unconstitutional acts. He is blatantly inconsistent. And my question to you tonight, calling numbers 347-884-8500, are these grounds for impeachment? Is Obama becoming too dangerous? And does he need to be stopped before the November elections? Should impeachment proceedings proceed? And if they do, what are the political ramifications of that so close to an election? Or do we just let things stand as they are? Senator Orrin Hatch said, if that, meaning Obamacare, is held constitutional... From them, Obama and his administration, to be able to tell us we have to purchase health insurance, then there is literally nothing that the federal government can't force us to do. Nothing. Is Orrin Hatch right? Literally. Nothing. So I ask again, what next? What next? The call in number is 
884-8500. Who's going to stop him? Who's going to stop him? What other edicts, mandates, surprises await us? Does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care? You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. We got a mess on our hands, folks. And it's not getting any better. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. It's getting closer. It's halftime at the primaries. Super Tuesday is the day that could potentially decide the GOP nomination. Four remaining candidates. Eleven states. Across four time zones. From the people who brought you the ever popular Iowa Caucus All Night Special. We're back, bringing you another fantastic night of results coverage. The Super Tuesday All Night Special. March 3rd, starting at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Seven hours of exciting, uninterrupted coverage. Follow the links from one show to the next. What are the shows? Well, I'm glad you asked. Teaming up again is Tesla with Doc Jones, Dave Gray, and GC Rocks, and Jermaine, a.k.a. GGT183. Special commentator and contributor throughout the night is Annie Abella of Southern Sense. At 7 p.m., Tesla will host Socialism is Not an Option on a special Tuesday night episode. Join him again and comment and discuss exit polling and actual results. Next up at 9 p.m., join me, David Graham, on my show, Stay Mad Radio, where we'll continue the coverage joined by G Ski Rocks and other callers and guests. And that night is not over yet. GGT 183 comes on at 11 p.m. and launches a special three-hour version of Conservative Primetime. As you know, this show always mixes it up. And this show is the cleanup hitter. And we'll conclude your evening crackling and pop-pop-popping from the excitement of today. So you get results coverage from 7 p.m. until 2 a.m. With the way some of these primary races have gone so far, it promises to be an action-packed all-night special. So please join us for fun interaction and informative commentary. Call in to vent, rant, 
or promote your guy. Just make sure you tell us why. <laughs> See you on Super Tuesday. Do you know how much is too much? Hit me again. Do you know when to say when? Pelosi's coming over. Uh, make it a double. Studies show that those who overindulge exhibit signs of arrogance. I don't count my drinks because I'm the president. Overconfidence. This is the day we stop the seas from rising. Or was it yesterday? The inability to think clearly on one show. Where, where's my teleprompter? I, I gotta talk to those kindergarten kids. You think you're funny, but no one else does. Let's give the Dalai Lama a, a set of cufflinks and send him out the back door. Uh, uh, Mr. President, let, let's, let's don't do that. And a profound inability to listen to others. Lama's funny. You don't know funny. If a friend, relative, or leader of the free world exhibits any of these warning signs, don't let them drive, operate heavy machinery, or sign any important documents. Where, where, where's that health care bill? And consider moderating their alcohol intake it before it's too late. Excellence in Broadcasting presents Liberals of Genius. Liberals of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. President of the United States. President of the United States. You single-handedly managed to choke all the life out of the world's greatest economy in record time. Ten percent unemployment. No one else could have apologized more, spent more, or built a rat maze healthcare system from hell that only the IRS could love. What were you thinking? Thanks to you, FDR will be known as a conservative, Carter will look presidential, and Joseph Stalin won't seem like such a bad guy. Joe was misunderstood. So crack open a good book, sit on your butt, and help your buddies with a snowball's chance in November. Mr. President, the one we weren't waiting for. Winter's day With my friend The the prompter I stand alone Gazing out among you Watching you watch me It's creepy but it's too late You chose me I'm the rock I'm the massage They need is friendship, and friendship causes pain. Uh, Israel and Hamas, they're both the same. I am the rock, I'm the Messiah. Tear down this wall between government and your people. Game. 
We already have your trousers, the shirt off of your back. What makes you think I'm satisfied with that? I'm the rock. I'm the Messiah. And the rock feels your pain. And I think you'll be surprised. Well, that says it all. <laughs> We're back. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Senator Orrin Hatch said it. He said, if Obamacare is held constitu- constitutional for them to be able to tell us we have to purchase health insurance, then there is literally nothing that the federal government can't force us to do. Nothing. That's a quote. A direct quote. So again, I ask the question, what next? What other edicts, mandates, surprises await us since the government is the major shareholder in General Motors. Is he, in an effort to reach his goal of having one million electric cars on U.S. highways by 2015, going next to tell us that we must purchase Chevy Volts? Is a declaration of martial law coming? Is he going to try to suspend all civil rights? Is he going to suspend elections and have himself declared king? Martin Neumoller, a, de- a decorated U-boat captain in World War One became a minister of religion and an opponent of the Nazis in the 30s. He said this, and I quote, When the Nazis came for the communists, I said nothing. I was, of course, no communist. When they locked up the social democrats, I said nothing. I was, of course, no social democrat. When they came for the trade unions, I said nothing. I was, of course, no trade unionist. When they came for me, there was no one left who could protest. Was he prophetic? Most of what I just convey to you, with quite a few words of my own, mind you, was taken from an article in the American Thinker titled, From Obama 
What Next by Warren Beatty. No relation to the actor. The question still begs, what next? Is our president testing the waters just to see how far he can go like a child? Testing his parents' will. Is he a con artist? Just waiting for the right moment to seize power and total control? Because in reality, he can't get everything he wants done. He can't fundamentally transform this great nation in just four short years or even or even eight He won't be able to do that. It's going to take a little bit more time. Wouldn't you agree? What better... What better offering than to declare himself king? Suggest to the American people that... He still... Has a a lot of work to do... To get things done... For the American people, he needs to get things done. He doesn't, he can't afford, he, no, he can't, afford, he can't leave now. It would be a disservice. No, he still has a job to do. Could we, could we start again?